Welcome back to Revelation On Demand Podcast, a podcast interested in what the Bible has to say about our lives today. Join us as we see what revelations we find today. I'm your host, J.D. Myers, and I'm joined today, as usual, by Mr. Chris Hess. How you doing, buddy? I am doing fantastic. The Lord has just been working in such mysterious ways in my life through all these trials and uh, tribulations that I've been experiencing lately, and I just wish and pray for the best of those around me and for the struggles they've been going through. But overall, I would say that I, I've been keeping high hopes and a great attitude towards what I need to be doing. And that is the ultimate key in what the Lord has been showing me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been praying a lot for you lately. So I hope that everything with your situations are resolved. You know, we, we over here just kind of, hanging out in the beginning of the third trimester with my wife's pregnancy. So we're going through that, you know, just everyday life. So time flies. You guys are in the third trimester, huh? Yep. On kid number four. Oh, God bless you. Yeah. So in the past few weeks, I turned off all my news-based podcasts. So now me and Chris are taking a hiatus from the news so we don't really know what's going on in the world right now (laughs) i have a basic idea of something that everyone's been talking about and that's where we're going to transition into our next uh bullet point in the what's going on in the world and that is civil unrest that is the most basic knowledge i have in all honesty if even if we were turned on to the news right now it would be all that anyway, because it's one thing after another, and it's you know it's spring summertime, so you gotta you gotta believe it to be true. It's we'll just say for um, for correctness reasons, civil unrest season. Yeah, well, I, I just was thinking. I was reading a few articles this morning on how there's riots going on for almost everything. It seems like there's people wanting to protest just about anything. So um, during times of unrest like this, we can only pray for the people who are being affected by these protesters or rioters or sometimes in some cases, in the very extreme cases, you call them terrorists. But all we can do is pray that the people in these areas are protected from any violence or harm that comes their way. And it just, it's a time to stop cranking up the rhetoric. Honestly, it's a time that we, we should turn to God and, and help our brothers and sisters or just our neighbors in general, instead of fighting over, Honestly, pointless things as we're going to get into today as we see how Revelation ends and how God lays out exactly how this all all ultimately concludes. Well, correct. At the end of the day, there throughout history, um, if you want to consider a minute event to anything that would amount to the end of Revelation today um, that we'll be going over. Um, it's, you know, something that when you put it on an equal playing field, uh, there have been the countless times, like I was saying, throughout history that we see, you know, such horrific events. And it doesn't amount to the fact that 
um, well, we'll go over it more, that we are forgiven, that there is light at the end of the tunnel, that there is ascendance, uh, that there is no need for the continuation of uh, prolific violence and all this hate and all, all the horrible things that have been going on lately. Oh, and one more thing before I forget it. This is not the last episode of this podcast. We will be continuing on with other studies. If you've heard me in the past say that I want to do the Olivet Discourses and then the Book of Dan, we are going to be going through the Olivet Discourses. We will have our one-year birthday episode, woohoo, and then Yay. we will do the Book of Dan all the way to Christmas. So that that is the general plan for this podcast. We are not done just because revelation is over well good because that wasn't going anywhere (laughs) good i can't get rid of that easy huh no sir (laughs) all right do you remember what happened in the last episode yes so we got the induction of new jerusalem and it was to replace uh New Babylon, if I remember correctly, and it was a huge golden. Well, we we got into the depth of the actual structure of this city, uh, mm-hmm. though you you essentially described it as a huge golden cube, right? And right. Um, we had multiple other things going on. Heaven and earth are recombined into uh, originality, or you know what what they were intended to be from the get go. Right. If you go all the way back mm-hmm. to the Garden of Eden, how God had intended for our universe, our world, and the heaven, the heavens, <laughs> for a way of saying it, to be in their initial design, to be without sin, to be without mm-hmm. anything bad. Um, going into that, evil is no longer existent at this point where we are in Revelation. So that is a beautiful thing because Lord knows we all know it to be true life, the afterlife, everlasting life without evil is just perfection, but it is also something that we don't ever have to face any true, uh, not trials, but any true destruction, um, I've been using that word a lot lately with chaos, chaos. Thank you. That's a good word for it. God will be ever present, having no need for a temple and is light for everything. Meaning that, you know, we, no one's going to turn to anything else. There is nowhere else to turn because you were always going to be covered in the heat and the light of our Lord God, our father God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as we'll see today, I believe there is all sorts of allusions back to uh, prophecies. And even in as we are recreated in our new bodies, we will be carrying out tasks for the Lord. There's, there's work to be done in heaven yet. So it's just not anything that we really can comprehend right now because a lot of our work today is about fighting chaos so i mean if you think about it a lot of the production and and manufacturing is all about pulling goods 
from a place of chaos and making them into orderly things. And then we have entire indices based on uh, fighting chaos, like mechanics and repair shops and stuff like that. So I think a lot of that's going to be gone, but there's still plenty of work to be done as we will see. Um, if there's anything else, we'll continue on. We'll get into scripture here. Chapter 22. Yes. Why don't we? And uh, just for the record, I don't know what kind of job you want in heaven, but I was thinking, eh, I might want to become a therapist. <laughs> I'm not sure what kind of need there is for therapy there. I mean, unless it's just talking about how things are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how did you go? Oh, that would be the most positive influence ever. Oh, yeah. That would be just like endlessly be talking about good things. Yeah, no, it'd be great. all right why don't we get this started this section is going to be called eden restored chapter 22 begins now then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of god and of the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city on each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Amen. (laughs) So starting off right here, we talk about this water. That's so I believe it's, it's the river, the water life down the middle of the tree and on each side yeah, the trees on each side. So this water is is directly pulling from some prophets, namely Ezekiel and Ezekiel 47. Then he brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and there was flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the f- temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the threshold of the temple and south of the altar. So right there, Ezekiel is talking about where the river starts from the temple. And then Zechariah fourteen eight, on that day the living water will flow out of from Jerusalem, half of it toward the eastern sea and the other half toward the western sea, in the summer and winter alike. So that direct scene, well, Zechariah is talking about where the river, the water goes outside of the city, but they're both alluding to that river that we just the river, the water life, which is coming out from the throne of God, God, and flowing down. The middle of the great city, in the middle of the two trees, or the one tree. It's kind of hard to explain. It's kind of hard to get your head around. Maybe it's more, it'll be easier to understand once we can see it. But this is very much an allusion to the two trees that were in the center of Eden. So you had the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So I believe now it is just one tree, the tree of life, that has grown around this river in this street. So it's a a river in a street 
inside a tree <laughs> in the middle of the city. A river inside of a street. There's how many trees now? <laughs> one. One tree. <laughs> There's one tree. That kind of reminds me of like the bifurcation of the trachea. That's a medical term, sorry. Where you know how the trachea leads to both lungs. It's a separate concept because, you know, you're dealing with air, not water. And then you could consider the tree to be your heart. But who am I? Interesting. That, that, that's a very interesting thing to think about, actually. So anyways, continue on. It talks about the tree and its fruit. It says, bearing 12 crops of fruit yielding its fruit in every month right here. I mean, there's no more confirmation in my mind, at least that there is time beyond the end. So there is, it's not that we become timeless. It's not that we become spaceless. We have physical bodies. We live in time still, but we will be perfect. We will be in Eden. We will be, you know, made in his perfect image. So, this tree and a fruit is a reference back to Ezekiel 47 again, this time verse 12. All kinds of trees providing food will grow along both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. Each month they will bear fresh fruit because of the water comes from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be used for food and their leaves for medicine. So right there, Ezekiel is seeing this as like rows of trees lining up against the river. As as we see in Revelation, it's talking about the single tree, uh, the tree of life. I imagine there's probably more trees along this this road as well. But John is focused mainly on the tree of life because this is this was where mankind first started with the tree in the Garden of Eden, and this is where mankind's ultimately heading to God's whole plan was when he we first put man in the garden of eden he knew what was going to happen his ultimate redemption is to bring man back into the garden of eden so correct amundo correct amundo so yeah i talked about the time and then the leaves uh treat and heal humanity so we see that it's not just about healing the people in the city it's about healing all of the nations as I believe it said in curse. I don't think it said it. I think it's in the next section. But anyways, talking about the curse, when we go back to Zechariah 14.11, people will live there and never again will there be a curse of complete destruction. So Jerusalem will dwell in security. So both these sections are talking about the curse caused by Adam and Eve when they first decided to turn away from God and when they were first, you know, inspired to rebel against God by the serpent. So this is the curse that it's talking about how it will be no more. It'll, uh, yeah, there'll no longer be a curse in the throne of God and the lamb at the, yeah. So there's no more curse at this point. God has lifted it. Humanity is restored to its original, uh, garden keeper status inside New Jerusalem. So I imagine that beyond the walls of New Jerusalem, it'll be just, you know, curated ground. As far as I can see, the whole world will be restored. I, I don't think there's going to be like, it's all going to be just lush green. I think there's going to be deserts and, 
tundra and all the the variety we see from God's creation already, because I, I personally don't think God's the physical creation has been corrupted to the point where it's that far from what God intended. I think the problem is when we're involved, we are the curse. I think we're the ones who tend to twist things. We're the ones who tend to abuse things. We're the ones who tend to go in that evil direction. Whereas I think most of nature is, is still trying to carry out what God originally intended it to. So I think we'll still have all these variety and biomes that won't just be lush green, you know? Interesting point of view, because who doesn't love adopting pets? Like, <laughs> I mean, it, it, within those biomes. I'm sorry, that was, that was a little too in-depth there. And might I backtrack a little bit? You did say we yeah. would be recreated with a perfect body and a perfect image. I am personally, I'm not going to call on any favors to him. It's his intentions. He's got the better eyes than me, but yeah. I'd like to be a little taller. <laughs> Wouldn't we all like to be a little taller? It's kind of funny. I've talked about my pastor with this a little bit. And I think we're both kind of in this agreement where our physical, our new physical bodies will be capable of something much more than what our current physical bodies are. I think uh, we'll be able to recognize each other as who we are, but I also think we'll be able to shift and change our bodies to a certain extent. So I think if you would like to be a little taller, it would be very probable that you could. But of course, you'll be your uh, desires will be remade into perfection too. So maybe you won't mm. desire to be taller anymore. <laughs> maybe, or, you'll, maybe you'll be happy. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll be happy the way I am, and if I want to run real fast, I'll turn into a cheetah. No, <laughs> <laughs> who knows? But okay. I, we can continue on at verse 6. At verse 6, yes, this section is called John and the Angel. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things, and when I heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, Don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you, and with your fellow prophets, and with all who keep the words of this scroll. Worship God. Then he told me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll, because the time is near. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right, and let the holy person continue to be holy. So right here we see an angel from the Lord. This isn't the Lord himself. As we hear the angel proclaim, don't worship me. Uh, so this this prophecy is all true. Uh, and then, of course, we have this example of not worshiping anything created. The angel in this, this scene is very much worried about John giving praise to the wrong person. And, of course, if you were to see angels in all their glory, it probably would be shocking and it might 
it might convince you to <laughs> to uh, worship, especially in our more fallen states. Maybe it won't be so shocking when we are recreated, because I believe it was Paul who said that we will be judges over angels. So at some point we will be higher than the angels in mm-hmm. the hierarchy of heaven. But as of right now in our, you know, grounded state, I should say where we're stuck in this world more than just the, the spiritual world, we definitely would be shocked to see these things. And personally, I've only ever experienced one angel in my life and it was during a demonic attack. So I wasn't so much shocked that the angel was there. I was more worried about the evil presence than the angelic presence. So I didn't really get a good look at the angel. But so even here, John is one of the, is considered like the beloved, one of the beloved uh, disciples. And here he's seen making a mistake. So even one as high as John can make mistakes. So we should take this as a chance to just say, well, if John can make mistakes and still come to Christ and still be, you know, repentant, then we can too. There's no, there's no point where we'll stop making mistakes in this life. It's just, we need to keep on top of them and make sure that we are not making the same mistakes again and again, or we are making sure that we are correctly repentant and, and, you know, making up for those mistakes. Makes sense. Yeah. And then the angel tells John to send this out to others. Don't seal this up. Uh, several places in this prophecy, there's stuff that he's purposely kept to himself or was told to keep to himself. So right here, the angel saying this needs to be, you know, shown to everyone. Like in the first few chapters, we, you, we hear how the angels like, say this all to all the churches and whatnot. So if there wasn't this proclamation at the end where the angel tells John to take this with it, we might've just gotten the letters to the churches in revelation. We may not have gotten all this prophecy of things to come as well. So that's why the revelation, the chapters of revelation is as long as it is and no longer, because as I said before, there is certain sections where, John knows what's going on, but he just doesn't tell us. So, Right, like the thundering voice of the heavens that he said. Mm-hmm. I could hear clearly what the Lord had said, or what God had said, and he chose not to write it down because it or, was that revealing to him. Yeah, or I was, yeah, that was that section, and then I was also thinking about the true name of Babylon because the nation had its name upon its head i think and he did not tell us what nation that was so he just left it as the spiritual babylon and here we see that revelation was given to us for our own comfort this is supposed to be like i said like way at the beginning this is supposed to help comfort us in times of struggle this is to help remind us that the end is coming at some point in as long as we are in Christ, we will, you know, be the benefactors of a victory. And then at this point, we're kind of switching back and forth here between, you know, today and when this 
this prophecy happened, uh, at this point, there's no more chance for people to repent. So once new Jerusalem is made, once it sits down on the earth and heaven and earth are combined, then our fates are sealed. If we were doing good and in, in following Christ, then there's nothing to worry about. But if we were doing wrong and not following Christ, uh, well, there's no turning back at this point. So, Right. As, as the angel tells him, let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. And that's a very interesting yeah. perspective. And that's, you know, something as me, I, I take from, uh, I think it's the book of Peter about the, when it talks about the protectors in our life, I've always been inspired to be a protector in my life. And I've intervened with quite a few people. And mm-hmm. then I read something like this. I'm like, huh, do I just let them, you know, caring much, as much as I do about someone, do I let them go down mm-hmm. a path of wrongness and vileness? I don't know. I just recently had to deal with that. So that's interesting to me. Yeah. That's, a, that's always difficult to know how far we're supposed to take stuff like this. I definitely think that this angel is talking about in this time that they're experiencing right now. It very much sounds like he's talking about the end time where once the final die is cast. So in today's day, when we're interacting with other people and we're trying to decide how much intervention we need to do, it's very much case by case. Of course, you know, I'm, trying not to weasel out of, you know, that can of worms I just opened. But when we, we have to do an analysis on whether it's going to benefit the person and us, if there's nothing we can do to convince this person to see the light, to come to God, then the only thing we can do is kind of step back and pray. Whereas if there's any chance that we can somehow show them God's love, we should probably take it, you know, mm-hmm. and then it really comes down to how much of a relationship you have with this person and how, you know, how against they are God. So it really comes down to, you need to be praying for everyone, but you got to let the spirit kind of lead you in interventions. You can't just go in there thinking you're going to fix someone because no, we have very few <laughs> Yeah, we have very little power to do stuff like that. It's really yeah. all Christ's power to do stuff like that. So we got to be careful. I did interview someone recently, and it's just, it, it wasn't like an act of desperation. It just mm-hmm. was an overwhelming sense. I walked outside, and it was just like this disembodied voice that says, you know, there's something more. There's something that you can do about this. And I yeah. was like, that's really weird because I don't know any of my resources that could give me the opportunity to even do that right now. And yeah. sure as heck, you know, I found something that was like, oh, no, I can't find available help. And that was good. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, not to not to sound too vague. Um, <laughs> why don't we transition into the epilogue of Revelation? Yeah. Verse roll, 12. Please. Yes. Verse 12. All the way down to verse 21. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, 
the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their, their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this scroll. He who testifies to these things says, Yes. I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus will be with God's people. Amen. And with that, we finish the book of Revelation. So starting off this little section, he's talking about bringing his reward with him. Uh, This gets into a little bit of speculation, but it definitely seems like while our works can't save us, only Jesus Christ can. There's definitely things that we do in this life that, you know, store us up treasure in heaven, that sort of thing. So right here we see that the angel of God, or in this case, I think it's actually Jesus, is saying, the reward comes with me. Uh, God is eternal. He's Alpha, Omega, first, last, beginning, and end. We see his ultimate calling card here where he is beyond time. God as the mm, cosmological argument, I believe it's called, says God is spaceless, timeless, and immaterial. So he is beyond this creation. It's really hard to get your head around unless you're into theoretical physics and whatnot. But <laughs> no, it's it, and then then you get the people who are like. Well, nothing's not really nothing. There's a quantum vacuum, and it's like, yeah, but if it's a quantum vacuum, it's not nothing. But that anyways, is something. <laughs> not to get into that argument today, but God is whatever was before the universe first began. So, and will be long after the universe becomes its final recreation. So, here we see. Uh, wash their robes, I believe, in our translation. In the KJV, I think it's the only one that says keep his commandments, which I don't know if I've ever said it before. You know, most translations are like they're 95% the same. So that 5% is where we get like King James has very much different wording and they use different words. It's almost like high English translation, not just standard English translation. But uh, when we see things like this, it can be a little misleading because in Greek, uh, keep his commandments and wash their robes 
apparently are the very close to the same phrase. So it's, it is a valid translation. It just may be a little misleading uh, because this could lead to uh, works-based salvation instead of uh, faith-based, which can be a problem. But here he <laughs> says he's what? It's so funny. Um. Oh, nothing. Uh, I think he said misleading. Oh, I meant to misleading. say misleading. Yes. Yes. I, I have. Uh, I have issues with words sometimes. Anyways, the root. He says he's the root. If we go back to Isaiah, we can see in verse one, then a shoot will grow out from the stump of Jesse, and the branch from his roots will bear fruit. This is very much in reference to when the line of David was dethroned from Israel and Jesus is coming from the stump of Jesse. And then Isaiah eleven ten. on that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for his peoples. The nations will seek him and his resting place will be glorious. So that's just Jesus making calling cards back to Old Testament prophets. He calls himself the bright morning star, which if we go back to Numbers twenty four seventeen, I see him, but not now. I perceive him, but not near. A star will come from Jacob, and a scepter will arise from Israel. He will smash the forehead of Moab and strike down all the Shethites. So right there we see, and that one says not near, um, but... This is, again, Numbers was written long before Jesus came. So this whoever was writing Numbers probably got a better understanding of how long it would be because most of the Old Testament was written at least 500 years before Jesus was even born. But most of it was known long before then. I think they only started writing the books down well after a while of being Christians. I mean, you talk about Noah and all these descendants. They didn't really start having a chance to write this stuff down until after the flood. So Noah would have been one of the first able to write anything that might last. Continuing on, and then the final warning, do not add or subtract from it. It can be applied to the whole Bible. As a conclusion to this book, we need to be careful when we're teaching. We need to make sure that we're not adding anything to what we teach. We need to make sure that we're not performing uh, what's called eisegesis, whereas where we read into the text what we want to hear, something that progressive Christianity is doing a lot of these days. They are twisting the text majority to pretty much confirm that they are not sinners when they clearly are. If you read the text plainly and you're trying to have a, a true hermeneutic and understanding the text in the first century framework that it is written in. So we need to be very careful, especially, you know, me and Chris here as teachers, we need to be very careful about what we say and what we tell you guys, because everything we teach that's wrong is, you know, comes back on us sevenfold. So I yes. take this very seriously. 
and, and uh, pertaining to that specific section, um, this goes back a little bit to what uh, JD was talking about with the Salvationists or being faith-based. And mm. there is still faith regarded, there was, excuse me, there's still salvation regarded in being a faith-based Christian. The thing is, though, is salvationists, basically what we're talking about with that is um, they strictly conform their ideas, everything they've ever done, everything they do to the fact that, well, it's going to be okay at the end of the day because I make it into heaven anyway. The Lord forgave me for everything I've ever done. He will continue to forgive me for everything I ever do. And that is why I get into, you know, I still have my salvation. So, you know, it's my get out of, uh, for those of you who play Monopoly, it's my get out of jail free card. Mm. But, yeah, no, there's definitely, there's two ends of the spectrum there's the one end where it's like we must keep all the laws we must do work we must uh you know do all these things to get into heaven and keep the law perfectly else we can't get into heaven and you got the other side where it's like no matter what i do i can get into heaven because jesus died for my sins so i mean like there's always two ends to the extremes it's it's really what's in the middle where hmm. Jesus died for us. We accept Jesus Christ. We seek to be like Jesus Christ. I mean, we never will never achieve being exactly like Jesus Christ. We're just too corrupt and fallen. We're we're sinful. But that being said, we should pursue to do what Jesus did. You know, we should we should aim towards that golden standard. We shouldn't we shouldn't be like, oh, work, work, work. This will get me into heaven. I'm working my way into heaven. Two extremes. Yeah, no. We shouldn't be at either one of those extremes. Right. Let me just say, for one thing, just personally, of what based off of my experience, what I think I know (laughs) is you don't ever have to learn the love. You you don't don't have to earn. Did I say earn? Earn the love of Jesus. He will always love you, no matter where you're at in your life and what you've done. But just out of respect, you know, or creating a relationship, however you want to view it, if you wanted to regard to someone and acknowledge someone that, you know, that you honor the fact that they love you, or maybe you even love them back, um, would you not want to at least do something proper about it? Or it's just a little more... Just a little more on the lines of, okay, maybe I should actually contribute to this. Not saying you shouldn't contribute at all. Technically, you don't have to earn it like a salvationist. But wouldn't it at least be nice for this person that loves you so much to at least show that you respect that? Right, right. It's it's the love of Christ that inspires us to do good work. It's not the good work that should inspire us to get into heaven or something like that. You know what I mean? I think I'm saying that right, right? Yeah. Oh, there's that perspective too. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's 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 the love of Christ that inspires us to be like Christ, and and also walk walking with with the Lord and yeah. trying to be like Him. Yes, absolutely. We've learned that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, so we see right there. It says, "He who testifies this will say." 
I am coming soon. Uh, Christ is soon to come back and soon is just ever in front of us. We can't be sure when soon really is. So it's just one of those things. Uh, I think it was kind of the original motive for this entire podcast is that I don't know if you personally feel this way, but like my entire life, it's always felt like the end is coming. The end is coming. Like every, every year, it seems like there's a new end of the world just on the horizon. So I don't know if that's just a symptom of society or if that's just my anxiety constantly looking for <laughs> I don't the end think of the world. that's the case I think that's an implementation that happens to just about everyone nowadays or yeah. else you'd be in denial because of how serious we have expanded as a society how to sure. to how globally we are connected now so yeah. we go through the same anxieties the same stresses that someone could uh, you know, our brother and sister in Christ, a sinner, whatever the case may be, halfway across the planet, we could still connect on that basis spiritually yeah. or even tangibly in our minds. And that's what can create a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just very much this, the end is nigh feeling that we've been dealing with. And Christ is saying that's, it's true. The end is always nigh. And if you think about it, if you get a little more into the, the, the psychology side of it, the end is always nigh. There's, there's ideas, there's things in your life that are constantly dying and, and coming back to life or being changed in different ways. Mm. So the end is always nigh. Th the thoughts and ideas are constantly changing and dying and going through this process so that we hopefully don't physically die, you know, as, the the humanitarians would like to put it it's part of evolution but as far as i can tell we are very much mental beings so our souls are connected to our minds somehow i don't know how that is but we very much are thoughtful beings we think we we theorize those theories go into practice and then they live or die on their own I think so, yes. at the end of the day, you know, you, you mentioned that it doesn't live or die in our minds. Does something yeah. live or die with us? Everything is eternal. We know that now, right? Our sin, yeah. regardless of it being forgiven, is still eternal. Our right. praise can be equally as eternal. There's so many good. Right. There's just as much good as there is bad. And sometimes, you know, whatever the case may be with anyone's past or how they are in life. Uh, nobody is absolutely perfect right now, especially um, that we just continue to walk forward and we'll learn to acknowledge a lot more of what Jesus might be trying to reveal in us. Sometimes I feel like if not all the time, that's the Lord trying to convey to us like, Hey, I got something better for you to think about. I got something that you really need to be focused on right now. And that's me. That's your life. This is how I can help you try connecting with me right now instead of fear. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's, that's a nice little bow on it. So the takeaway for today, the end is always nigh. take faith in Christ and go boldly for no one knows their own time. We can move confidently with God, knowing that no matter what may come, even to the point of death, we will be with the creator in eternity. Anything else to add? Amen to that. Um, 
just as a another little incentive to um our podcast today is we do love praying for our audience and we just you know we, we want to reach out at the end of every episode too that if you're going through any struggles if life is just a confusing mess if there's so much going on and you don't have an answer for it i could promise you that it just personally if, if you don't want to take my word for it, you know, uh, we, we enjoy your company and we'll continue to pray for you anyway. But mm-hmm. there's always going to be an answer with God. There's always going to be an answer with Jesus. Um, some people reflect on like, well, I don't feel like my prayers are answered. They are being answered. You, you need to search that within yourself and you need to search that within your soul and your spirit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Bible is a great tool. It's a weapon, actually, if you look into it. Um, mm. that you can use to vanquish and conquer a lot of this stuff in your life. No one is irredeemable. No one is beyond reconciliation. So, you know, if you have the resource in this, if you find this to be interesting enough, then pursue it because I can promise you that it's going to be a worthwhile experience. Um, mm. I'm signing out with that, JD. All right. Yeah. And on top of that, I'd like to say, if you'd like to contact us, our emails in the description i also read it out at the very end you can find us on facebook where you can contact me directly jd myers uh i'm open to hearing from you guys if there's any specific thing we kind of do a general you know prayer over our audience but if there's anything specifically like us to play, pray for please contact us so we can uh, focus our prayers in that direction Thank you for listening to the Revelation On Demand podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you catch podcasts from. Please, if you like what we're doing, share this with a friend, family member, or someone from your church. This is a completely private venture, and we receive no funding from any sources. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to contact me at revelationondemand at gmail.com. God bless, and see you next time. 